0: Welcome to Beyond the Headlines with your host, veteran journalist, Darren Nichols.
1: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information.
0: Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Headlines. With us today is Ken Coleman, Detroit's historian, who is now covering state issues for Michigan Advance? I'll let him introduce himself further. Welcome to the show, Ken.
1: Thank you, Darren. I appreciate it, my friend. Long, long time friend, colleague. Uh, uh, it, it's great to be on, be on with you uh, in this format. I'm, I'm excited, uh, you know, about the work that I'm doing right now, uh, as you pointed out, and. And I have a you know a huge interest and passion in chronicling uh, chronicling African American life in Detroit, and ever recently returned back to being a newspaper reporter for the first time <laughs> uh, in a generation in about fifteen years. Um, so I'm covering uh, education, civil rights, and voting rights for michiganadvance.com. We're a new uh, Lansing-based. Uh, policy and politics uh, website, news site.
0: Okay. Tell, tell us a little bit more about Michigan Advance, because like you said, it is brand new, um, and most people don't know about Michigan Advance, and so what is it that you all do, and what is your uh, mission at Michigan Advance?
1: So it is a nonprofit uh, news site, and uh, as you know uh, darren as, a, as as a veteran uh, in the game, if you will, um, there's really been a move well I think a couple things have happened in our industry, particularly as it relates to print um, print news um, uh, over the years um, for profit news uh, news agencies uh, newspapers as we call them. Um, They've been shrinking in number, and in some cases shrinking um, in terms of their size, their staffing. A lot of it has to do with advertising and how people read news or gather or take in news. Um, What's really kind of developed over the last maybe decade or so are uh, both profit and uh, non-profit uh, news sites. Uh, It's much easier to gather news and present it uh, if you don't have to pay for the ink that <laughs> that it costs to you know to, to publish papers uh to print papers and so dot uh, michiganadvance.com uh is um one of i think now 8 or 9 i forget the number we're growing 8 or 9 um uh news sites across the country um that our parent organization um uh, goodwill the goodwill goodwill fund uh is uh, sponsoring and we at MichiganAdvance.com cover uh, as i mentioned uh policy and politics um anchored and Lansing so a lot of our reporting and a lot of what we do sort of focuses on uh, the state legislature uh, and the governor uh, and the executive office and, 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 and um, state supreme court and the like. Uh, we started right after Labor Day. Excuse me, not after Labor Day. We started right after um, uh, Thanksgiving in November of last year. So we're you know we're a few months into the game now, um, but we um, really pride ourselves in trying to bring um bring to the marketplace stories that maybe the for-profits um uh, both in broadcast and print uh that they don't necessarily bring we do have um editorially uh, a progressive uh, uh ideological bent um so um uh, we're very much interested in uh, a lot of the Sort of uh, game changing and historic news over the last six months in Michigan Darren, you know everything coming coming along with um, several women being elected as um, as executives uh, in statewide office, um all of whom are Democrats um, you know we're very much interested in underserved communities and, and and trying to tell their stories and that's that's really what attracted me to the project um, uh, i I spend a lot of time know, trying to um, gather news that maybe in some cases is underreported, or at least—and you'll appreciate this—and and, and hopefully um, your listeners will too. I mean, uh, news that uh, you know, there's news, there's news that's covered, um, but it's covered from a certain perspective, um, and oftentimes there are sources and uh, people who don't whose voices aren't heard. My uh you know, what I hope to bring to the to the publication, to the publication, to the the, uh, the news site excuse me, is that news. Um and, and talking to people and talking about how politics and policy affects them. Um, you know, whether you live on in in my case I'm a troiter, whether you live uh on, on Grand River or Gratiot.
0: Okay. Um you mentioned one thing that I wanted to touch upon um just just before we get started before we get to mm-hmm. to the 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 uh the meat so to speak of of what's going on you you talked about um uh these news sites that are that are popping up and and the question becomes how important is it for uh people of color um to be involved and to get involved in in these news sites as well um because you have you know yourself um you've got you know chastity over at bridge yep. um you know but but that we're not we're not represented in 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 high numbers um and so how how important is it to uh have uh journalists who are uh involved in in that spectrum i i, I think it's it, it, it's it's greatly
1: important i mean and i you know it's tooting the horn of my organization but but i but I think it was sort of a cool and very important thing for um, Susan Demas, my our chief editor, um, to understand um, and Susan's had a a, a generation long career in covering Lansing from uh, Lansing Politics and a lot of different publications. Um, but it was I think it was very important for Susan to sort of recognize, okay, if we're going to start uh, a new site that's going to cover policy and politics uh, with the Lansing base and have an antenna out there and, you know, going in all, all, you know, all all areas, Michigan, it's important to have, uh, you know, some people of color um, on on the staff and, um, you know, uh, she, uh, she, uh, a friend of mine, a mutual friend of ours reached out and said, you know, this, this, the Michigan, uh, advance is about to start. Um, they're looking for somebody in Detroit, um, that kind of knows what's going on, uh, understand Lansing stuff too. Um, and, um, it was a perfect fit for me, but that was because, uh, you know, I'm there because, because Susan thought it was important and Susan happens to be a white woman. Um, um, but she recognized that, 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 diversity, uh, is important. And, 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 uh, you know, my friend, you, you and I, uh, have gone back in this business 25, nearly 30 years for me. And, and I, I can remember when we were kids, um, <laughs> younger, much younger than you hey, are telling, now. Hey, stop telling,
0: stop telling my yeah. age, brother.
1: <laughs> I, you know. I, I, I tell people all the time. I remember when we were members of um, uh, the, the National Association of Black Journalists, Detroit chapter, or you know, you are and I, and I was at the time. Um, but I remember when we hosted the 1992 uh, NABJ conference, and I and I I've been looking for this, this this souvenir book for for the last couple years now. But for many years, I had it front and center, and there was a back page, uh, full color ad taken out. By uh, by Gannett, uh, by the Gannett News Organization, and it had uh, half column photos of all the people of color that worked for the Detroit News. Um, that is and, very
0: true, and that was right yeah, after. Of, yeah. and that was okay. right after uh, we had done the series about who speaks on yep. who speaks for yeah, Black America.
1: I, absolutely, classic series, and that was a and classic
0: series, and and we what touted remember, that. What, I'm just saying, and we touted that as as a company
1: yeah, yeah. and and but when you look when you look back at uh, that particular um ad taken out with half column photos of black and brown folk um you know reporters, editors, photographers um you know it it would, I don't know how many people it was it was it was it was it was it was, it was, it was definitely a great sort of representation about what we all want to see in media. But that was nineteen ninety two, Darren. Uh you know, twenty seven years ago. And, you know, I know there's been a lot of contrition in the business. The business is smaller. Newsrooms are smaller. So obviously the number of people of color would be fewer. But, you know, if there were more black folk at the Detroit News <laughs> in nineteen ninety two than there is in, in, in twenty nineteen. And um, we're part of the same generation. What our parents always assumed, and what their parents always assumed, is that every generation we'd see progression, right? And some of it would be slow and tedious, and it would be hard fought. But I don't know that my mom and your mom and your grandparents and my grandparents would ever fathom a day being, you know, being, being, being children of the Civil Rights Movement That they would they would ever fathom a day where there would be fewer (laughs) fewer advances. Uh, You would think there would be more, maybe slower, incremental. Yeah. Sure. So I think that's why these news sites are important. Um, But it's they're only important if they um, if they reach out to underserved communities um, and provide people who who know who 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 have things to bring. Um, to 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 the marketplace. Now, I'm not suggesting that the news sites are doing a better job than the traditional print and broadcast media. I'm only suggesting that there's a tremendous opportunity in that regard. Okay.
0: All right. So let's let's get to it because yeah. you know we got a lot of stuff that I want to get to. Um, yeah. Okay. With both of your hats that you wear. So first of all, uh, tell us about what's going on in Lansing and and the things that you're covering there.
1: So, Lansing is a very interesting place. Um, I first came here uh, in 1999, so 20 years ago. Um, as i uh, I've gone, <laughs> I've gone in and out of the reporting business. Um, at times, working on the governmental side um, in terms of public relations, media relations. But when I, when I, when I first came to Lansing in 1999, um, it was a lily white place. <laughs> you know, it was a white, it was a very male, lily white dominated place. Um, what's going on now is a very dramatic change, at least in one sense, in the gender sense. You, you now, in, rec, in, the, in, the, in the historic uh, 2018 general election, Michigan voters um, uh, elected a, a, a woman as governor, attorney general, secretary of state and then by extension um uh some of the other statewide offices um also either elected women by 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 virtue of voters or by the bodies that represent them and so now you have a a a, a woman as a state supreme court justice a woman who is uh heading the um state board of education uh and it's 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 a, it's, it's changed uh, it's a sea change quite frankly um, that, that really is rocking Lansing. And from a news perspective, people like me and organizations like uh, MichiganAdvanced.com, there's a huge, there's a huge uh, sort of um, uh, growth of news stories. If nothing else, um, not only the gender change that I talked about, but in all of those cases, most of those cases, it was also an ideological change in terms of going from R's to D's. Um, Republicans to Democrats. So uh, you're seeing in the case of, like, a Dana Nessel, who's a state attorney general, I mean, she is totally wiping out everything, or trying to wipe out everything that her predecessors, uh, Bill Schutte and Mike Cox, both Republicans, have, have, have brought to bear. And, and those gentlemen, the, the combination of their years of service, uh, it's been 16 years, a generation. So um, Lots of uh, lots of interesting things going on in terms of how um, these uh, how, the, how these executives uh, not only um, seek to um, respond to uh, you know t- uh, four eight or sixteen years of work of their predecessors, but just all of the. All of the new stuff that comes out of being in this in this crazy world uh, called Trump America. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> if you're going you to understand what I mean, absolutely. <laughs>
0: so, well, let's let's get to some of the, the the nuts and bolts of some of the stuff that's going on in Lansing. Um, yeah. You know, a, a few days ago, it was announced that the the catastrophe claims fund um, mm-hmm. increased fees. About fourteen percent, fourteen point five percent, or two, two hundred and twenty-eight dollars per car. Talk, and I know this is not one of your stories, but however, talk about what this sort of means for um, urban areas such as Detroit or Benton Harbor or uh, River Rouge or Inkster or those areas where, um people are already struggling with having yeah. to pay high car car insurance.
1: Oh yeah. No. No, it's 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 and, and see and, and here's a great so so I'm glad you raise raise that. So here here's a great sort of example of how um, statewide media, if you will, or how Michigan media covers Lansing and how that reverberates through, you know, along I 94, 96, and 75 and the like. I mean, look, I mean, you know, um, you're right. Um, I live just outside of downtown Detroit. And <laughs> my wife and I pay ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous auto insurance premiums. Um, and uh, you've got, you not only have an issue where, um, you know, a lot of e- some of these urban areas or sections of sections of these urban areas have um, you know, income challenges uh and poverty issues that make just buying just having an insurance policy um very difficult to have. You've got that going on, right? But then you have this situation where we're talking about um significantly higher or uh, will we'll, we'll be passed on at significantly higher premiums for challenged communities, many of which, uh, you know, you've got an issue here in, on the, uh, in Detroit where, you know, we've, we've got the phrase uh, driving dirty. You've got, I don't know, who knows, uh, but a significant number of people who are driving every day without auto insurance. Right. So they I, can't I, afford it. I mean, I um, think
0: I've, I've heard numbers um, as like almost half of Detroiters. Yeah, you know, some, uh, I've, I've heard stuff know, like that. It's some, hard to qualify with that, you know. Right.
1: That, like, I always, always struggle. I mean, not struggle with. I always caution myself about putting a number out there. But, but, but we all have anecdotal evidence if we haven't seen it ourselves. You are in a fender bender, and you know the traditional thing. You know, what, what you're required to do is to pull over and exchange information and contact the authorities. You know, everybody's got a story about how they got hit, they got t-boned, they got blindsided. And the person might have tried to pull over or maybe just darted away. <laughs> um, uh, and, mo- you know, the conventional wisdom is that happens because that person is not insured, doesn't have a current or active policy. So you have a chal- You have an economic challenge in, 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 in this in this fee um, uh, being raised. Now, um, you have a governor. Who uh, and Gretchen Whitmer, who ran on six to damn roads um and there's a debate going on, number one um and there's you know that obviously she's got a plan out there but but part of what governors have done over the last ten or twelve years they've raised fees in various uh, very in various pockets um to 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 uh, fund roads to uh create the you know to to add money to the general fund. All of this stuff is sort of a double hit or double tax on, on the state's most challenged communities. Uh, and uh, in Detroit proper, where I live, um, you know, that $200 fee is not going to go over well uh, with folks who are struggling. That $200 could, could, could you know, buy dinner. That, incre- <laughs> you know? that increase,
0: not just the $200, but that increase.
1: But that, but they increase. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yes. So what? So what I'm saying is that is another that's another hit, if you will, on people who are struggling day to day, and really, on uh, in terms of the, the you know what I'm what I'm talking about. People who are out there driving dirty really is not an incentive to ever go out and get uh, you know, legitimate, uh, premium. So, I mean, it, it, you, you, you have to, so part of going back to the news piece is, you know, how you cover that story, right? I mean, you could do the conventional piece. You know, this is what, you know, this is what's been proposed. This is what the insurance lobby says this is what the legislature says on both sides of the aisle. You know, what, what, what I want to do at Michigan com, and I haven't taken on this, that story yet. I mean, it's, part of, you know, I've got got sort of a beat and I've got to sort of figure out sometimes day-to-day on, you know, if there are things outside of what I'm trying to do, how do I weigh in? But, you know, I'd like to do a man on the street, you know, and and go to... uh, Absolutely.
0: I mean, because, I mean, I I, I would suggest, you know, given that one of your beats is civil rights, that this is a civil rights or or, or an urban rights issue um, in terms of you know people who are um
1: challenged who
0: are challenged uh, and and them being hit with another you know another fee that yeah. that would prevent them from from getting car insurance
1: yeah i mean and and it's 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 you know it's it's one of those things where we always talk about it in terms of you know it's the it's the cliche um uh, point that people make about well you know we can we can invest in education or, you know, we can bet, we can invest $2,000 more per pupil for, for K-12 budget, or we can pay it on the back end. If that person doesn't get an education and ends up, you know, going to prison, going to state prison, we will pay, we'll pay 37 or 40,000 or $45,000 a year versus, you know, an investment of $2,000 more per pupil, um, which is significantly less. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's, Part of I think what the challenge is, and why I'm excited about being back in the business, but it is a very sort of you know, it's a very sort of um, challenge. You know, there's so many buckets out there um, of of things to sort of cover. But yeah, you know, I I've, I've thought in re- I'm glad you raised this because I've thought in recent hours and recent days. You know, hey, what would be the approach? What how did how would we do this story in a way that Gongwer wouldn't do it? Or MERS wouldn't do it, or the news, or free press wouldn't do it, or the Lansing State Journal wouldn't do it, just because number one, the 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 racial complexion of uh, the Lansing press corps, you know, it's ridiculous. I don't even I don't even think it is on par with the percentage of black people or people of color uh, in Michigan. To be honest with you, I don't know any other everyday working um, black reporter um for on the capitol hill on a, on a, a state capitol uh, basis uh, i don 't know anybody else other than me. you know there might be you know one or two people who are stringing maybe on a broadcast that might do a Lansing story but um the the complexion of the reporting core doesn 't look like Michigan, and so by extension, I guess the point that i 'm making i 'm going a long way to make it, but you 're not going to get um stories told. In the way that we're talking about, unless they're people who kind of understand them and
0: the nuances of what's going on.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, look. I mean, I, I think that the, you know, I, I, I think that if, if if it's certainly not to suggest that, that you have to be black or or Latino uh, or a, a person of color to kind of understand some of these issues, but I just don't think that oftentimes it, it's the first thing that comes to mind. For uh, for an editor.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, and but door. it but it also hits Redford Township. It also hits sure Taylor. And, it and, and, also and, and, hits. And guess what? Black folk are moving. You know, we we live all over.
1: Right. Maybe. I mean, it hits uh, a multitude Lansing, of places. Uh, Holt, Holt and Oakmont. I mean, there are lots of black people. You know, there are black people that live there. So, I mean, it, it's just. I, I think what, what I guess what. Um, I, I guess my, you know, sort of response to that sort of news nugget and how you address it is, you know, we, we, it's incumbent upon um, people who understand um, not even sort of other sides of the issues, but just other angles at covering issues, right? Because we are not talking about, and for, and, and, and for your, you know, listen, I mean, we, you know, some of this, I guess, to some extent is about sort of inside baseball news coverage, um, it, 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 it sometimes it's not about who covers it; it's about what angle are you going to go. Who are your sources? Yeah,
0: it's about how it's you know, covered.
1: How it's how it how it is. I mean, do you go to the same three? You know, you go to the Senate Majority Leader and the Minority Leader, and you know, you, you know, somebody at uh, at the chamber, or the or the you know AAA, or do you go and just do a man on the street and go to Mac and Bewick and be like, you know, I'm going to sit here for a half hour and talk to people about this issue maybe sure. in some ways explain it to them but but after they I explain it to them what's your take on that what how you feel about that okay cuz you're part of Michigan too <laughs> you know and whether you are driving and you've got an insurance policy one way or another it affects you um and i think that's what uh at least that's what uh, michiganadvance.com um aspires to do um, and you know hopefully it's the type of work more often than not that i'm able to do
0: okay well let's let 's move on to to a couple other areas because we've got a lot sure. of stuff to get to um okay. One of the areas as as you've mentioned earlier was education um Tell yeah. listeners a little bit about the moves um to increase the presence of African Americans and Hispanics in the social studies curriculum that just came yeah. out um over so the last
1: few a- days. No, It's a great, great, great point. Thanks for lifting it up. It's been a great source of debate um, for the last, uh, really, calendar year. It started to heat up uh, during the spring and summer uh, into the fall of 2018. Um, The Michigan Department of Education... Is updating its core standards or, 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 or recommended guidelines, actually not standards, recommended guidelines as it relates to uh, its social studies curriculum, K through 12 social studies curriculum. Um, last year, um, uh, a controversy um, uh, erupted when a um, a state senator, uh, Patrick Colbeck, uh, a Republican from Canton. Um, sought to really um, uh, engage himself in that process, that that updating of guidelines process. Kolbeck is a conservative Republican. Actually, he's more of a uh, libertarian uh, Republican. But Colbeck took um, great exception. Colbeck and and others, but Colbeck led it. Uh, Colbeck took great exception to... um, the current set, the, what, what, what was the current set of guidelines. Um, uh, it took exception to some of the references um, to organizations like the NAACP. You know the nation's largest uh, civil rights uh, organization. Uh, Kobeck took exception to um, some of the descriptions of um, uh, you know so various uh, LGBT, uh, LGBT um, community um, references. Uh, any host of uh, any host of references, he took exception to and sought to really um, eliminate them, omit them from the, the set of standards. Um, set up a firestorm of controversy, and I'd have to have to readily admit we weren't in the marketplace at the time. And so I can do this <laughs> without getting in trouble with my editors. But Bridge Magazine um, really brought this to fore. Um, okay. They did some great reporting, um, pointing out that co- pointing out that the uh, that the guidelines were going to be updated. That Kolbeck and others had real strong concerns about them, and when I first learned about it, and at the time I was working for the teachers union in Detroit, uh, when I first learned about them, it was from Bridge. Uh, and again, that's a great, the great, you know, the great thing about reporting. And that's another, um, uh, you know, not-for-profit um, uh, news site. Um, if not, I think for Bridge, there might have been another publication that ultimately had. It uh, started doing the stories but but that's where i think um that, i think that's where the groundwork the, the groundbreaking work had been done on the on the journalist side so anyway fast forward several months uh, well fast forward you have the Kobeck controversy and the state supreme me, the state board of education um puts together a blue ribbon committee to sort of take a look at Kobeck's concerns um, uh, you know uh, have their their way in uh and what you have now is um i think i just saw some reporting today that, that suggests that um that review uh is complete or near complete um and um some of those references um that whoa, some of us had concerns about in the civil rights community and the human rights community um will remain but it 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 has a lot to do it speaks to um the purview that state government agencies have on even the day to day curriculum that um, our students, at least in the K through twelve public school system, um, the purview that those agencies have, um, even in terms of if it's not even policy, sometimes just guidelines, um, it's a sort of interesting exercise in this new world that we live in uh, where you have really sort of a backlash, and it's been a multi-decade backlash, but it's really come to fore uh, in the last, you know, last five or ten years, this sort of assault um, from the right um, on, on, on um, an attempt, really, I think, and this is sort of my editorial view, but an attempt to um, uh, omit uh, a lot of the gains, the hard-earned gains, um, that That many have carried out in the civil rights community and,
0: and and so is is the government overstepping their boundaries in, in well, what they're and what they
1: 're doing yeah so know my editorial comment is remember um and at least in this particular conversation, these are guidelines um but it is a governmental agency um that puts puts them forth, and it is you know. And and tandem, obviously, with the legislature, uh, it is an agency, and I'm talking about the Michigan Department of Education. In this case, it is an agency that has strong, um, strong purview over uh, uh, over local control and how individual school districts carry out things like curriculum uh, policy, if you will, and uh, even on the spending side, uh, how dollars are spent. So I don't, in this particular case because these are guidelines. I don't know if it's an overstep, but I would suggest that efforts like uh Kobex, for example, uh, you know, one individual legislator. <laughs> you. Know, right. The the sway that he had in this whole process is pretty scary. Um and and, and that's, and that's what I was getting at.
0: Right, and that's yeah. what I was big getting on steroids.
1: at. Yeah. yeah. Right. No, not yeah. So, I mean, I I, I think this wasn't even a you know, it would have been different if a majority vote out of one of the chambers of the legislature said, "Okay, we're going to weigh in." But this guy almost single-handedly, um, uh, and at that time, and, and we're going—you I mean, know, this started in 2018. Um, this is a guy who, uh, whose party, uh, both occupied the governor's chair, both chambers of the legislature, uh, and an ideological advantage on the state supreme court. And so, I mean, people. I don't think that people I, I, yeah, I don't think that it's uh I, I think that for someone who would have real concerns about a sort of super big brother influence, I don't think that they would be uh out of line in having that point of view okay,
0: last question on this role that you do mm-hmm. um because i I really do want to get into your your role as a digital historian so mm-hmm. Recently, you did a story about how past governors have dealt with, you and one of your colleagues, on how they've dealt with the budget process. How do you right. see – and it's early in the process, let me yep. be very clear on that um, – yep. but how do you see Governor Whitmer um, dealing with her first um, budget and, you know, working behind the scenes to get some of the things that she wants you know, accomplished with her first budget because she's made it very clear. She wants it done before they, before they leave for recess.
1: Yeah. So it's going to be a challenge, right? So uh, Gretchen Whitmer is a Democrat. Um, Republicans lead, uh, uh, have it, uh, have majorities both in the house and the Senate. So who she, the, the, the body that she uh, negotiates with to, um, to, to create a budget, are, are both led by Republicans, and there's already been, you know, um, some rhetoric, uh, particularly on the state states um, on the state Senate side, through uh, th- from Mike Shirkey, who's the Senate Majority Leader. So there's already been some pushback on um, a big part of her budget, and, and and that's role funding and how she wants to carry out role funding. So I think it's going to be a challenge for her um, as a Democrat, even though she's she has experience as a uh, legislator, um, you know, the piece that you referenced that Susan and I worked on talked about how previous governors have have, have addressed budget presentations and how they've dealt with um, legislatures um, in, in getting those budgets passed. Uh, Whitmer, a Democrat dealing with a Republican legislature, uh, is a little different, or at least to, to some extent different, than Governor um, uh, Jennifer Granholm, who was also a Democrat, Uh, you know, uh, uh, 16 years ago, at least in her first budget, um, dealing with a Republican legislature uh, in in one sense. Uh, Whitmer has legislative experience where uh, uh, Granholm did not. she had come in as, Granholm had come in as state attorney general, but had not been a legislator. Um, We talked to um, previous uh, lawmakers who pointed out that Whitmer would have an advantage to some extent as having served in the legislature, but but the D's and the R's are are as we move every year they become more and more partisan and strident uh, in their point of view. Um, uh, that hap- that's um, that's the case in, in uh, on Capitol Hill in D.C. and that's certainly the case here uh, uh, in Lansing. The more and more strident in terms of their partisan uh, positions on issues. Um I, I think that if Governor Whitmer can get a budget passed um by June or so before they go on Mackinac Island um or before their summer recess, whenever that will be in July or August, uh it would be a major accomplishment. Um uh only because the rhetoric um on both sides of the aisle is so strident and um I think that both D's and Rs are so uh, and vote in, in terms of scoring points with their bases, um, that it's going to make a easy it's going to make a a quick uh resolution to the budget very difficult. Okay. Um you couple that with Darren that state House members run every two years and the state senators run every four years, you could argue that at least on the in the House side, um really uh the men and women that were elected in November of eighteen <laughs> Are really already in election mode. <laughs> They've got an election, you know, in a year and a half, um, and fundraising to do, um, points to score back home, uh, and so that's going to that's going to be a challenge for Governor Whitmer. The upside is um, a major uh, a major constituency group within the Republican Party, her opposition party, uh, and that is the Detroit Regional Chamber of Commerce, has um, supported her. Her, her 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 tax plan on funding roads. Um how far that will go with with the with the entire Republican caucus, um we'll have to wait and see. But uh, the chamber traditionally is a Republican power base and because it's the largest chamber excuse me, it's the largest chamber in Michigan, um it is a good start for her, uh Governor Whitmer, to have the uh the regional chamber on her side on her tax plan, on her on roads her, on her, um, um, uh, plan, which is really sort of the linchpin of her budget, right? Sure, because, absolutely. Because that helps to, that helps, if she can get that funding for roads, it helps her put general fund money um, in places where, uh, the, where our, her, her priorities lie and her constituent priorities lie. So, um, uh, I, you know, I think uh, one could be, Cautiously optimistic on the on the most positive side for her uh, because of that development, but it's still going to be a challenge because at the end of the day, she's still dealing with Republicans. Okay.
0: Well, let's stop this car for a minute. Take take a <laughs> deep breath, and we're going we're going to stop it like Fred Flintstone. You know how they used to oh, the you know how they used yeah. to stop it with the feet and remember, all that good that. stuff. Well, that. well then that's that's what we're going to do here because we're going to a completely different uh, angle from going to talking about the state to what you do as a historian. And so what I want to know is how are things been going um, in terms of uh, you being Detroit's histor- historian and uh, why did you take on this venture, particularly with On This Day? Because anybody who follows you on Facebook or on Twitter, they know that they get uh, a number of um, a number of uh, uh, things in front of them about Mm -hmm. what is going on on this day in Detroit. In fact, this morning I saw about six.
1: Well, I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for, for lifting that up. Uh, You know, we both started out early in our careers uh, as, as, as journalists for the Michigan Chronicle, uh, state's largest uh, African American newspaper founded in 1936. Um. I started out as a uh, as a young reporter uh, at the Michigan Chronicle in the early 90s and um, really over a short period of time developed a real passion um, for um, uh, the notable events that involved uh, black folk uh, in Detroit and throughout Michigan, but certainly Detroit. Um, you know, working at uh, the Michigan Chronicle, and at the time when I was there working with uh, luminaries like Sam Logan, uh, who was publisher at the time, uh, you know, working with people like Marie Teasley uh, and having uh, columnists, uh, contributing columnists like, uh, oh God! I mean, you start naming names, you don't want to miss people. But 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 Steve Hosey, who is the entertainment columnist, um, uh, any number. I, in fact, I posted something today about Nellis, uh, Dr. Nellis Saunders.
0: Right. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Uh, luminaries like that, man. You you couldn't help but be influenced and in learning the history of our town. Uh, there was a point at which um, Darren and I worked both for, both for the Michigan Chronicle and worked for the late Martha Jean McQueen's radio station, WQBH. And it was the same thing on the radio side. You know, you're working with Martha Jean Queen and Jay Butler and, you know, all these people, you know, these folks that, that, that really um, had been part of our our, 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 our city's history. Our
0: fabric or, uh, of, de- yeah, of Detroit. Yeah,
1: fabric, yeah. Couldn't help but be influenced by that. So I really think the early seeds for my passion for chronicling African-American life in Detroit um, come from, stem from, you know, my, my early days at the Michigan Chronicle in, in Martha Gina Queens, WQBH. And so um, uh, about seven or eight years ago, Darren, I started posting on Facebook every morning on this day, uh, and I would try to find three or four things that happened of, of note that occurred on that particular day and post them. And I did it, Darren, for maybe a couple of years. And along the way, people would say, boy, this is great, man. You know, have you ever thought about taking all this stuff? I've been following you, Ken, for six months or a year or whatever. Have you ever thought about putting all this stuff in in one document, you know, a bound document, a book? Um, And I said, yeah, it's sort of an interesting idea, uh, but I just kept doing what I was doing, just kind of creating this database, if you will. And then, like, one person suggested to me maybe about two years, and then it's just like, you know a year ago, Ken, you said you would do a book. Where is it? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And you know me, Darren. I mean, I go around. I've bounced around from office to office, campaign to campaign. I'm always doing two or three things at the same time. Uh, I got a very active wife, as you know, and at that time, I think we had just had Jackson. I was like, yeah, I don't have time to do a book. <laughs> I just don't have time. But, yeah, and then, you know, people kept saying it, so I, I did it. And I, so I, I I compiled all this stuff, Darren, uh, and really almost to the day, I think, on, on well, on March 30th, it will be six years. Um, on March the 30th, um, 2013, I uh, officially launched, launched my first um, self-published book, On This Day. African-American life in Detroit. Uh, and the publication uh, has, uh, as I pointed out in the Facebook postings, uh, on every day of the, of the year, it has no fewer than three or four, sometimes five, six, seven, or eight um, sort of important things that happened, with the only caveat being that it involved black folk. And had something to do with Detroit, whether it happened in the city proper or had some great influence um, on the city. And uh, it's been a tremendous ride. Um, I continue to do the postings most mornings. Uh, we have published a book uh, for three years. We, uh, we were able to do a segment on American Black Journal on Detroit Public Television where we lifted up the book um, in, in pictures. Um, I'm finalizing. Uh, to, Probably shouldn't say it yet, but I'm finalizing um, with a, a non-competing news site uh, an opportunity to post uh, uh, post uh, segments or excuse me uh, excerpts from On This Day uh, on a daily basis, and so um, it's become something that has been my passion and uh, sort of in and not being disrespectful to the Lord, but sort of a ministry, if you will, uh, something that I care much about.
0: And and speaking of your passion, um, one of the things that you've been working on is trying to get this stuff in uh, the Detroit schools, and yeah, yeah. and and talk talk to our listeners a little bit about that and and how that is going.
1: Thank you so much for lifting it up. Uh, about a year and a half ago, um, I uh, had an opportunity to sit down with uh, Dr. Nikolai VT. Uh, Dr. VT is the Detroit Public Schools Community District General Superintendent. Uh, November of 2017, I sat with him and made a pitch for um, uh, really an argument for uh, Detroit Public Schools Community District including more local history, not just American history, but local history in general, including more local history uh, in its curriculum. Uh, you and I are Detroit Public School graduates. You, both you and I have covered Detroit Public Schools. Um, your mom is, was a Detroit Public School professional. You know it better than most, um, while I think that we all feel like we, we, we got a great education. Um, I would certainly argue that um, I, I'm very proud to be a Detroit Public School alumnus, but I also feel like... Um, over the years, the district could have done more, should have done more, can do more to include more local history in its curriculum. Dr. VT agreed with that, um, and it really aligned with, uh, with, a, uh, with, with an initiative that he launched after, well, he was beginning to launch before our meeting um, a, as a complement to the local history, and that was what he called a cultural passport. And what essentially what it what it is about, Darren, is having Detroit Public School students um, go uh, have more fields to uh, cultural institutions like the D- Detroit Institute of Arts, like the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History, uh, like the William Banks uh, Museum for WGPR and the like. Uh, and really, it was all about timing. Um, the timing was great, and Dr. VT um, took on my suggestion suggestion about including more local history and what the district rolled out uh, about three or four weeks ago, maybe about a month ago, uh, rolled out its, its pilot and for that uh, K-5 through five, uh, local inclusion uh, at uh, another uh, institution within the district, I think is, is dear, to, dear to your heart, Golightly uh, Educational Center. Uh, they rolled that out uh, about a month ago, and so now... The young school
0: I have helped to found.
1: Yeah, that, that's. I thought that was. I didn't want to say it. I thought that was it. But I, uh, but but so, uh, you know, the, the district has make, is making strides and in including more of their local history. You know, a, as you well know, um, you know, Dr. Arthur Jefferson was the district's first African American superintendent. That occurred in 1975. But I don't know how many young people, Darren, uh, after 1975, learned that. In cl- in the classroom, sure. You know, I learned a lot of the stuff. I mean, I was th- I was at Detroit Public Schools at the time, so I guess by extension knew it. But much of the stuff that I post on a daily basis, Darren, I did not know until I was at Wayne State University, <laughs> and, and that's that 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 that, that that's unfortunate. Uh, in the blackest town in America, uh, in a town that's given the world so much, um, we haven't been the best stewards of chronicling our story and sharing our story, not only with people who were in college, but sharing our story with people, with people who are five and six and seven years old. And so I'm proud to say, um, uh, it, 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 you know, I had an opportunity to sit down with Dr. VT. Dr. Vitti uh, uh, embraced the vision, shared the vision, quite frankly. Um, and, and, and now it is something that you'll begin to see, we've begun to see, and we'll see in future generations. More local history um, about this town, how it came to be, its successes, its challenges, um, but that's all stuff that I think is part can add to the educational fabric.
0: And that's a great legacy for you to 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 live to leave um, for for new generations. And so, well, I think it's important.
1: I mean, I think it's important. And my, you know, my son's a, a fifth grader at Chrysler Elementary School, with Detroit Public School. Um, you know, He and I have self-published a book about Detroit's history. Jackson knows more as, as a 10-year-old uh, about the city in which he lives um, than I knew uh, when I was in the fifth grade. And, and ultimately, what we hope to try to do, and you've got young children, what you hope to try to do is put them in an opportunity, put them in a situation um, where uh, they do better than you. They learn things that you didn't learn. Uh, and they benefit from the world that you helped to try to create. So,
0: okay. So before we get out of here, I want to yeah. know what is the next project or what you'll be working on next, and then give us your final thoughts on all that we have kind of touched upon today.
1: Well, I, I, I appreciate this opportunity because we, 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 we've covered a lot, uh, so many bases, and um, they're they're all sort of great things that I like to talk about. I first want to say, I mean, what I hope to try to do um, through uh, through location at um, michiganadvance.com, michiganadvance.com, <laughs> is to um, bring current day stories that will that will, in, so, in some ways and in some form or fashion, become history. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to continue to do that. Um, I'm always working on any number of projects. I'm I'm proud to be a member of the. Uh, Historical Society of Michigan, um, yeah, you know, just gave a presentation there on uh, 100 years of Black uh, funeral homes uh, in Detroit and in southeastern Michigan. Um, I want to continue to do work with the Historical Society of Michigan, lifting up some of these uh, little-known um, stories about Black life in Detroit. Uh, I want to continue to do that. Um, you'll be hearing more from me when you know when it's official. You know about. Um, a daily blog that lifts this uh, on this day history up hopefully to a larger audience. What I, what I know will be a larger audience. Um, I, I think it, it, certainly there'll be news. Um, they'll be coming about out about that in, in the next couple of weeks. But, but, but more importantly, you know, it, it, this is a very, and I hate to sort of end it like this with, you know, dropping sort of this line because it's sort of, an an opportunity for maybe another hour of discussion that you don't have. But we're in a very sort of interesting time uh, in Detroit proper. Uh, And the city is changing in some ways, in some places, every day. Uh, And I'm very much concerned uh, about um, black folk uh, in Detroit and um, that we are able to hold on to what we helped to build that we're able to continue to grow. And uh, my work, whether it's uh, through writing, uh, newspaper reporting, or or uh, inter- interests of passion that I sign on to or help to create, uh, I- I'm going to be living the rest of my days, no matter how long I have left, to uh, making sure um, that future generations know that this was a town um, that was built um, in a very significant part by black folk. Uh and the reason why I say that is through gentrification and other things that are going on, um some of us feel that there is an opportunity. There there's a there's a there's a view out there that belittles or doesn't hold that with value. Um and I think that we ought to do that uh, as black folk in this town. Um and so um you know my closing thought is um, that's going to be my, you know, my raison d'etre um, uh, moving forward in, in, in form, various forms of fashion. Uh, you know, how do we preserve our history and present it for um, young people, people who come to this town, um, uh, people who are new to this town, uh, and people that make a commitment to this town?
0: That sounds great. Well, thank you, Ken. I appreciate you being on Beyond the Headlines. Uh, Detroit, uh, for another edition. And with that, uh, we will sign off until next week. Have a great week, everyone. As we leave Beyond the Headlines, I want to give our listeners an inspirational quote for you guys to ponder each week as you get ready for the new show. It's from Dr. Martin Luther King. It reads, If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Until next time, we'll see you on Beyond the Headlines.